somebody like me blameless without guilt forever I am free that just blows my mind the question becomes why would you ever allow someone like me to be forgiven so God my choice right now is with open arms to surrender everything that I am to you. God, and I pray that as a church, we could say, I'm ready to stop believing the lies that Satan is telling me. And in the name of Jesus, in this place right now, we say that Satan, you are not welcome here. Greater is he that is in me, Jesus Christ, crucified, than you, Satan. God, thank you that you are more powerful. Thank you that what you said is finished, is finished in my life. And so my guilt, my shame, the blame, what he throws at me, is gone. He has no right to my life. God, I claim that for everyone who knows Jesus in this room and whoever doesn't. May today be the day because freedom is in Jesus Christ. And if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. So help us, God, to stop believing the lies that we're believing this morning. Because we know that you love us no matter what. And I pray that we would start thinking of ourselves in that way. That we are free in the name of Jesus. And so we can live life as free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. We're going to continue today in our basic series, Basics of the Gospel. Before that, I want to tell you about in two weeks, uh, the 24th, we're going to have a ministry fair. Um, we always say that we are not the equippers, we're the ministers, and uh, that God has gifted you, whether it's in, in a way that is a natural talent or a spiritual gift. Um, but trust me, if I or our leadership had to do everything, we would be a, a bad at it. And, uh, but God has gifted you. God has not gifted us to do everything. That is for sure. But God has gifted you to do something. And so in two weeks, uh, we're going to have a ministry fair. In the room back there is going to be full of booths of all our ministries in the hub. It's going to be full of booths of all our ministries. And uh, you're going to have a chance to go talk to the people who are leading those ministries and a chance to see where you fit in. Um, and, and then get involved somewhere. Um, because it's a joy for us to watch as God uses ministry and being involved in service to grow you uh, to be more like Christ and to affect people for the gospel. So, two weeks, plan to stay right after the service. You won't, we won't even skip a beat. We'll just leave this room and we'll go and we'll start the ministry fair. You can talk to whoever you want to and then you can go when you want. Um, but that's what we're going to do. 
I believe that you're here for a reason, that God allowed you to be here, even in the cold. It's freezing outside, and I am, if you're like me, I get angry immediately when cold hits me. It's just this thing uh, that I need to work on, but it's just cold is like, uh, I know it's the opposite of maybe what hell will be, uh, but it's probably just as bad, so uh, it's, it's horrible. Um, but you're here for a reason, which means at this moment, I want everybody just to take your hand like this, face it towards your face, and do this. Take off your mask and put it down. Because nothing is going to, good job, Bob. Good, you did that. Um, nothing's going to change unless we are willing to let God change us. I can't change you. The person next to you can't change you. But we believe that God is faithful to change us. When we meet with God, when we are in his presence, God will change us. Here's a cool story. You know how I told you that uh, in Ankeny, Heather's desire to start a, a Bible club, and she was just a little nervous uh, as to how to do that, a little nervous as to what the parents would think and all that stuff. Well, our kids started it for us, um, so that was like a praise God uh, for using our kids rather than us because we were scared to do it, and God used our kids where we were afraid to do it. Well, we live in Urbandale now, a couple, a couple minutes from here, and um, Heather was really praying this last week. Hey, God, how do you want me to occupy my street, literally the street that I live on? And so she was praying one morning, and God made it clear to her that there may not be as many kids in your current neighborhood, but there are enough. And so I want you to start a Bible club, just like you did in, in uh, Ankeny. It may not look exactly the same, but I want you to do this. And so she's like, all right, Whew, we're going to do this. And so she had a plan. She did not tell the boys what that plan was. I'm probably going to screw up the details of this so you can ask her what's right or wrong afterward, but I'm, I'm going to get it my best, Okay. I'm not going to embellish this story for the, for the sake of the story. So she, tells, uh, she does not tell the boys her plan. All she says to them is, hey, tonight we're going to go do something special. Her plan was we're going to go door to door and pass out invitations to all the houses that have kids, and we're going to invite them to this Bible club. The, the boys did not know that, and later on that afternoon, she looks across the living room. Both our boys dart across the living room to our, to our uh, bookshelf, grab a couple Bibles. They run back to the front door. And there's some kids there that they hang out with pretty much every day. And they give these, them, them these Bibles. You need to read these Bibles. You need to know Jesus. We're, we should start a Bible club. I'm like, unbelievable, God. You just did the same thing twice. I mean, like, he used our kids. To me, that is unbelievable. And it is because, I mean, my wife was praying, God, how are we going to do this? And he's like, I got this. Because your kids are going to do it. Which makes me overjoyed. Uh, with my kids, that's an awesome thing, but it just blows me away that when we are faithful with the little things, God gives us more to be faithful with, right? I love that. It leads me to the question to ask, how am I doing, how are you doing, thinking about or actually occupying your street this week? Occupying your street, what does that mean? Everybody you run into on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or a monthly basis, all the people you work with, all the people you live next to, and everyone at every place that you are a regular at, whether it's the barbershop, whether it's the salon, whether it's the gym, everywhere that you run into people on a regular basis, that is your street. Occupy that with the gospel. 
Occupy that with the gospel. Build relationships. Renew your mind daily so that... Okay, I'm convinced that it's a given that we should re- renew our mind daily in the word and in prayer, spending time with Jesus for his glory ultimately and to grow in our relationship with him. That being assumed, I think the number one reason why we should renew our minds daily is so that we can go out and spend an ample amount of time with people who are far from Jesus and affect them for Jesus rather than being affected by the negative things they're doing in the world, right? We've got to be on mission. And here's the thing, for 2016, don't play it safe. Don't be safe. I'm not talking about physically safe. Don't be physically stupid. But be a risk taker for the gospel. Take risks and see what God will do with that. Okay? If there's a couple things I've learned in the past six months about this thought of occupying your street, there's two things. One, don't be jealous of somebody else's street. Right? I've, I've done that so often. Like I've looked at people whose God is choosing to use for, the, for his mission on earth, and people are getting saved, and they're doing awesome things, and I'm like, God, I want that. And he's like, no, I've put you on this street, not that street. My street is not the same as yours. Yours is not the same as the person sitting next to you. Although, if you're sitting next to your spouse, it should be very similar, right? Don't be envious or covet someone else's street. Which leads to the second thing. Be faithful with the little things that God has given you to do on your street. The things that God has put in your hand. Be faithful with the little things. And it's biblical that he will give you bigger things to be faithful with if you're faithful with the small things. I tend to get frustrated that God is not giving me more opportunities, and he's saying, well, were you faithful with that small opportunity that I gave you last week, right? Be faithful with the little things, and God will give you bigger things to be faithful with. Last week, we talked about the basic of the gospel called sin, the fact that all humanity has sinned and sin separates us from the presence of God and an eternity apart from God. That's bad news, right? But the gospel literally means, the word gospel literally means good news. So get this, God is just. So many people in the world say, but God is love. How could he do that? Well, guess what? God is just as much just as he is love. If he wasn't just as much just as he was love, he would not be God anymore because his holiness dictates that he has to punish sin. If he could just let sin go, guess what? He wouldn't be God anymore. He has to punish it. But he's also love. Because he is love, he gave us one chance a single chance to come back into rightness with him and live with him in eternity in heaven. Because he is love, he took his justice completely 100% out on his son Jesus on the cross so that I could be made right. I mean, think about that. You know your thoughts in the dark. (laughs) You know your thoughts when you're not around anybody. Why would God be so gracious to save somebody like you? 
I mean, I know my thoughts in the dark. It blows me away that he would be so gracious to save somebody like me. But that is our mission. Don't we want, even if we are earthly enemies with these people, if the Bible says love your enemy, then don't I want every single person on my street to be with me in heaven, to be with Jesus in heaven. That's our mission. So putting it bluntly, the Bible says that the best possible form of love that anybody could show to anybody else was Jesus sacrificing his own life for his friends, right? That Jesus laid down his life for us, and the Bible defines the, the most, the biggest, the epitome of love that you can show is to lay your life down for your friend. Which in this case, for us, what would that look like? The best possible way that you can love someone is to make sure without a shadow of a doubt that they know the truth about salvation in Jesus. Right? I mean, what's keeping me from doing that? Sometimes I think, well, that, that relationship's not ready for that yet. Well, pray that God gives you the opportunity to move that relationship to the, next, to the next level so that you can speak the truth of the gospel into that person's life because that's the mission, okay? That's the mission, that we actually love people enough to tell them the truth. So this week we're going to look at the basic of the gospel called atonement. Atonement is the good news to last week's bad news. Dictionary.com says this is what atonement means. Number one, satisfaction or reparation, which means to repay for a wrong or an injury. And number two, I like this one, the doctrine concerning the reconciliation, which means to be made right with, concerning the reconciliation of humankind to God, accomplished through the life, suffering, and death of of Christ, and I would add resurrection to that. In other words, our death debt, because of my sin, because sin exists in the world, because I have sinned, I deserve to die and be separated from God forever. But be, my death debt has been what? Paid in full by Jesus on the cross, making me right with God all the time no matter what. What does that mean for us? If my death debt, if the debt that I have to pay is paid in full, then guess what? Satan no longer has the right to hold it over your head. Right? I mean, that's a big deal. Satan no longer has the right to remind me of my past to remind me of my present or to remind me of my future and say, for all the things you've done or for all the things you're doing or for all the bad things you ever will do because you're a terrible person and Jesus could never die for you, he could never forgive you, Satan no longer has the right to hold that over our head. Why? Because that debt that I had to pay has been paid in full. And that's a big deal because you've heard that before if you've been in church for a long time. But you might be believing Satan's lies today. You've, maybe you've been a Jesus follower for a long time, but you think that maybe because of your sin, God is punishing you in some way, 
lie from the devil. That's a lie from Satan. Paid in full, the word atonement means you are paid for. Bought, paid in full. Nothing more to pay for, which means the guilt that he would hold over your head, the shame, all of it, has been made right with God. Right? Get used to this. I used to think that this kind of thing was like hocusy-pocusy kind of stuff. But you've heard this. This could be kind of cliche-ish, but when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Right? Because he's going to remind you of your past. Trust me. He will. He's going to remind you of what you did wrong yesterday. He's going to remind you when you yelled at your kids and you shouldn't have. He's going to remind you when you got wrongly mad at your spouse and you shouldn't have. He's going to remind you as to when you treated somebody that you're an enemy with wrongly and you shouldn't have. He's going to remind you of what you looked at on the internet yesterday and you shouldn't have. He's going to remind you of that dark thought that you had two seconds ago while you were listening to me and you shouldn't have thought it. And guess what? He's going to try to hold you in the guilt of that for a long, as long as he possibly can. What do you do? You tell him who you belong to. I'm serious. Try it. Try saying, Satan... I do not belong to you anymore. In the name of Jesus, leave me alone. Claim the truth of Scripture over your life as often as you possibly can. Because this is God's truth, so we fight Satan's lies with God's truth, right? I mean, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, how did he respond to Satan when Satan said, do this, do this, do this. If you're the son of God, do this. And Jesus used scripture. He used truth, right? So when Satan reminds you of your past or anything that you've done wrong, you remind him, I belong to Jesus and Jesus has won this victory. It sounds elementary. It sounds basic. But guess what? This is a, this is a uh, series on the basics of the gospel. So that's what we do. The Bible says... That if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Jesus died so that we could have freedom. Not to sin freely, because we know we're forgiven. That's not what it's about. But to effectively live on mission for Jesus without fear of shame or guilt or messing it all up. Because guess what? We will mess it all up. But because now, when I mess up, Jesus says, get up. Because it's paid for. Because you're forgiven. (laughs) And Satan can't hold it over your head anymore. So stop believing Satan's lies. But some of you are in the room, and you have not made the choice to give your life fully to Jesus. And maybe you know somebody who has not made the choice to give their life fully to Jesus. Pursue that relationship with them. Occupy that part of your street with the gospel because they need freedom. Romans 5, 
15 says, But the free gift is not like the trespass, which means sin. For if many died through one man's sin, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the gift of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Then it says, Therefore, as one sin led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Here's the difference between the free gift and sin that was imparted to all human beings at all times through history because of Adam and Eve's sin. Acts 16.31 says this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Salvation is available to all people throughout history, all times. But the difference is, when Adam and Eve sinned, every single human being from that point on was born into sin. And it was a given guarantee that every single human being, being born into sin, at their birth, at their conception actually, was guaranteed to live a life in sin. We talked about that last week, that no one is righteous, nope, no matter what you've done, not even one, right? The difference is, Jesus offers the free gift of salvation because of his death on the cross, but we have to choose to receive the gift. We have to make a choice to turn our lives over to Jesus and say, I can't save myself. I have to turn my life over to you, Jesus, because I need your forgiveness and I want to turn away from my sin. We say this, come as you are. We say it all the time. We sing the song, come as you are. And we believe that wholeheartedly, that when you come into church, um, when we spend time with you, when we hang out with you, doesn't matter what you look like, <laughs> you come however you look, and you come whatever you've been doing, whatever state of being you are in at that moment, you come as you are, and then we need to go further with it. Come as you are, but we believe God is faithful enough not to leave you that way. Because we truly believe that when people meet Jesus, they are changed. In our small group, it's a small group about discipleship, and, they, and, and the study that we're going through has defined discipleship this way. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me is a head-level choice that I will choose to follow Jesus. Right? I will make you means I don't change myself, you don't change yourself, and you can't change the person next to you, but guess who will? Jesus. And we have to allow Jesus to change us. But at every turn in my life, somehow I resist that change. Somehow I'm too prideful for Jesus to change me. So I've chosen to follow Jesus, but then I have to allow him to change me every day of my life. And then the last part is fishers of men. After I've been changed by Jesus, he puts me on a mission to go tell other people how they can be changed by Jesus. And free from the penalty of sin and death, which is death forever. The Bible says that Jesus is the perfect embodiment of grace and truth. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery. 
the priests and the Pharisees caught this woman in adultery. And said, for, my first question is, where's the man in this whole thing, right? But by law, they could have stoned and put to death that woman for being caught in adultery, right? Because it was against the law. But Jesus gets down and he writes something in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what he writes in the sand, but he writes something in the sand. And then he stands up and he looks at the Pharisees and the priests and he says, Any of you who are without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Right? And they know that none of them are without sin. And so one by one they drop their stones and they walk away. Now Jesus is the only one that actually had the right to throw that stone. Because he was the only one without sin. And by what he just said to the Pharisees, he could have picked up a stone and thrown it at that woman. But instead, he got down by that woman and he said, look, look up. How many of these people have condemned you? How many people threw the stone? And he said, nobody. None of them. No one's left. Because guess what? They're not without sin either. And he said, they haven't condemned you, and neither do I. That's grace. And Jesus is saying that to every single one of us in here. Now I look around the room and I see a lot of people who have been to church for a long time. But I'm pretty sure you need to hear this this morning. You are not condemned. You're not condemned. Is this still working? You are not condemned. That's grace. Now go and leave your life of sin. That's what he said to the woman caught in adultery. Why did he say that? Because I know that sin is destructive, and I want so much more than that for you. Jesus said he had come to give life and give it more abundantly. He wants so much more for us while on earth than living in the bondage that sin has on us. Because guess what? The more you live in sin, the more you get desensitized to sin, and then the more susceptible you are to believing the lies that Satan throws at you. Because Satan will be able to say to you, you actually have a reason to be ashamed. You actually are living in this stuff. Jesus is not going to forgive you. Guess what? You're not condemned. Grace. Now go leave your life of sin. Romans 3. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Romans 3. Trust me, you're like, I can't believe you're just opening the Bible now. This is going to be forever. But this is actually the end of the message. Romans 3. 24, last week, we're going to give you a Romans passage every week to kind of be in. So write these down. Last week it was Romans 9, uh, I mean Romans 3, 9 through 18, all about the fact that no one is righteous. This week it's Romans 3, 24 through 26, defining for us what atonement means. Let's read through this. Last week it said in Romans 3, 23, it said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it goes on in verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word and at the beginning is huge. It doesn't say but, it's not contrasting it here. It's not comparing, it's saying and, just like in verse 23, how all 
have sinned. And guess what? Because of that sin, all people, all time, fall short of the glory of God and are justified. Which means, just like all people have sinned, guess what? All people can be justified. Which means from God's perspective, there is not a single person on the planet that is beyond saving. There is not a single person on the planet whose sin is more powerful than what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And are justified by His Uh, by His grace as a gift, which a gift is to be received. We have to make a choice to receive that through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption means that we were bought back out of our fallen state into rightness with God. Whom, this is Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. It just means that He took our place to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus nothing that you have done are doing or will do is more powerful than the cross of Jesus that can justify you before God and make you right so that when God looks at you he doesn't see your sin he sees Jesus blood he sees you washed clean so make that choice some of you a lot of you are already Jesus followers you've already made that choice but you're struggling with life right now you are believing Satan's lies even if you're in here and and your your walk with Jesus is great my encouragement to you is (laughs) Commit today to continue to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus. And don't get lazy. Pursue, 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 because he is pursuing you. The cross in the name of Jesus is more powerful than anything that you've got and anything that Satan could lie to you about. It's powerful enough to change our eternal destiny from death to life. And that's good news. That's atonement. It means that my debt has been paid in full. Amen? I'm going to bring J.R. Keppel up here right now. They, give you, they gave you a microphone. They're on top of things around here. This is J.R., John, whatever you want to call him, Kep, you can call him, I'm just kidding, don't call him that. I've never called him that, I just made that up right now. Um, Whatever works. works. Is that on? I don't know. There we go. Now, the battery's almost dead in that one, so maybe they're not all all on top of it. If he does, he can stab this one, I'll yell. Um, Actually, let's just do that. I'm going to hand it to you when I'm done. Um, JR's in my small group, he's a little long-winded. So if I cut him off, um, it's not, don't think that I'm offending him. He doesn't care, okay? Um, His wife, when he heard, you got 15 minutes now because Nick's long-winded too. You got like 10. Um, 
his wife was like, you got 15 minutes, not an hour, okay? Yeah. So, JR, I want you to first tell us about your family growing up and a little bit about your upbringing. Who are your siblings, parents, what was all, what was all that like and what was life like? All right, uh, I grew up with uh, one parent. My mother left when we were two. I have an older sister. Uh, for 12 years of my life, it was me, my dad, and my sister. Uh, had one aunt, my dad's sister, that I knew that we'd go see them in Guthrie Center probably four times. By the time I was 12, we'd go to their farm for a month, hang out. Uh, we traveled around a lot. My dad was a traveling carpenter. He was a ex-marine uh, turned hippie. Uh, they had a, a friend of theirs named Joe Womack. He was uh, kind of their, what do you call, like a guru. You know, he was the main one. They were into, I'm okay, you're okay kind of thing. Mind, telepathy, whatever they call that stuff back then. You know, so that's what we were raised around. Uh, Never spent more than a couple years in one place. He was always traveling around, working. So he carried us, you know, carried us with him. Uh, various schools. Uh, a lot of them were like pot-smoking hippies, peace, love, and chicken grease and all that kind of stuff, you know. So uh, it was interesting growing up with him. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, when I was 13, he met a lady out of Arkansas. Had a, she had two kids. They had three more together, so I have five younger brothers. Even though the two oldest out of the five are steps, uh, they've been brothers since they were 18 months and six months old. Uh, they're doing good. Some of them, they're, they're not followers of Christ. You know, it's a constant prayer for us. Uh, we do stay in contact with some of them. Some of them, you know, we just don't stay in contact with. It's just a thing that happens. Uh, lived with my grandparents for eight years in Arkansas. Grew up in the bottoms. Uh, we had a church in Kamena. It's just a little small town. There was probably... 20 families in this little town. Well, if you want to call it a town, it was down in the bottoms. And uh, Father Christmas was the pastor's name. And he'd always come see my mamma, and he'd always look at me and my uncles and say, how are you heathens doing today? You know, we're like, oh, we're great. Because we were. You know, we were sinners. We were, you know, fighting, fishing, hunting, being, uh, what do you want to say, what's that word, promiscuous? You know, didn't know no better. That's just the way we were raised. Uh, but we were raised to, you know, love your family. Someone attacks your family, you attack back, you know. Uh, got into drugs, drinking. Uh, yeah, so tell us, tell us about, as you grew up, what was your life like before you came to Jesus? Mm. You personally. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, I was into drugs and drinking, fighting, uh, didn't take nothing from nobody. You know, you wanted to fight, I'll fight right with you. Didn't care, you know. 
knew there was consequences, but consequences are consequences, you know. I knew I had consequences for my actions. Didn't care. Uh, got into dealing drugs. Got into hurting people for money that owed people money for drugs, you know. Uh, didn't think it was wrong, you know. You never think it's wrong when you live a sinful life. It's all about what can I do for me, you know. No one's ever done nothing for me but me. Uh, my father, he would tell me all the time, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. I'm just trying to give you advice. And there was a lot of times I was in situations, I'd be at a party or I'd be getting ready to go take care of somebody's business for them. And you know, I'd hear my dad's voice in the back of my head saying, you know, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, just give you advice. And I'd, I'd always listen to it. And then I'd always find out a few days later that bad things happened and I wasn't there. So, you know, somebody was watching, you know. Uh, my dad knew there was a God, knew God created the universe, but that's as far as it went. Never had a godly upbringing, never prayed, never, you know, asked Jesus for anything. Uh, had an uncle, he was a deacon of a Baptist church in Arkansas, but they weren't real. You know, on Sundays, they'd shake everybody's hands, and on Sunday evenings, they was always drinking beer and talking bad about each other. I was going, wow, I can do this without going to church. Why do I need to go to church? You know? So, uh, yeah, I just, I was a big-time sinner. I, you know, I would hurt people for money, did drugs, drank, partied, worked hard every day, and thought that's what life was all about. So We know he's still a work in progress, so don't make him mad. <laughs> well, when you attack my children, I get blinders on. and. So. Uh, tell, tell us how you um, came to Jesus out of that. Uh, make it quick then. 2000, well, 96, I uh, met my wife. I was a bartender, painter. We met in a bar. Go figure, huh? Uh, but at that time, I was still dealing drugs and doing whatever. And uh, I asked her out, and she told me no. I was kind of like, wow, I've never been told no, you know, so all the other stuff kind of went to the side, and I chased her. It took me a month to get her to go out with me, and then uh, got married. Still, you know, I didn't do drugs, but I drank, and I still worked at the bar. Then I gave the bar up and went back to painting. Uh, got married on my dad's birthday. I gave him a grandkids and a a daughter-in-law for his birthday present. Uh, 2000, well, no, right after that, he leaves, goes to work for a communication company. 2000, we go see him in Kansas. He's not doing good. Uh, found out he had cancer. I got the best wife. She took care of him for the last seven months of his life. And spit out Caleb Keppel at the same time. <laughs> so she had two she was taken care of, right? Uh, when he died, I cursed God really bad, really bad, thinking, how can you take something that meant so much to me in my life, 
because that's all I had growing up was my dad. Uh, brought him home, buried him, left here, went back to Kansas, cleaned his apartment, went to Alabama to the Bible Belt, uh, working. Uh, 2001 of May. It was a few days before my birthday, which is the 26th of May. Uh, getting ready to go home at the end of the day work, and I used the Lord's name in the wrong way, and a co-worker said, you know, every time you say that, somebody dies. So I said it like five more times, you know, just to, da, 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 you know, that's who I was, you know. That Saturday, that was a Friday, that Saturday, we leave, go to Florida to see my sister, eight-hour drive. Uh, at 12.45 in the morning, some guy decided to use our vehicle to kill himself. And I didn't see him. My wife did. Bounced off her side. I spent the next three days drunk, you know, just dealing with it, you know. The only way I knew how. Uh, get back home, Anniston, Alabama. It's uh, just straight across from Atlanta, Georgia. We were on a military base working. And... Uh, I think it was like three weeks later, she comes back from her and the kids go somewhere. Me and my cousin, some other guys, you know, we were, you know, it was a daily routine, you know, we'd stop at the gas station, get a six pack of beer, go home, pump weights, drink beer, play basketball, you know. Uh, she comes home, says she's going to church. And I looked at her, I said, okay, you go to church. I said, but I'm not going to church. You know, I had, I had hair down to here, long hair. Had earrings, you know, in both ears, you know. Still had, you know, goatee and all that. And so that Sunday they go to church. And I stayed home. I got up, made my coffee, grabbed my cigarettes, go out to the weight bench. And I don't do no weights. I just sit on the step, drink my coffee, smoke my cigarettes. And I felt alone. And I've never felt alone in my life. I'm talking to where it was in the pit of my stomach I felt alone I never felt so alone I couldn't I couldn't understand why I was like you know why am I you know I got a wife and kids I got cousins you know I got fellows at work you know da, 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 da. and then it hit me it was like oh wow I need something different something's got to change and it hit me it was like I need to go to church oh I need Jesus uh, Wife and kids come home from church. And I was going to tell them, look, I'll go to church with you. These folks, you know, look at me wrong. Me and my kids want to go back. And they come back saying, oh, Dad, you don't want to go to that church. They're laying in the floors, flopping like fish. You know, hallelujah, amen, praise Jesus kind of, you know. And I was like, well, okay, I was going to go with you, but I'm not going to go now. And they're like, no, 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 we were just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, well, uh. I'll go to church with you, and I, I told Debbie, I said, I just, I felt alone. I've never felt like this, and went to church and tested this church for like three months, and I'd even go to church on Wednesdays and take my hair out of a ponytail and lean back, throw it over the chair, kick my feet up, and waiting for somebody to look at me wrong. As soon as somebody would have looked at me wrong for anything, you know, just a minor thing, I'd have grabbed my kids and left, and they never did. It was all real. It was true love. Uh, and I felt the true love of Jesus, accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and was forgiven. And at first I couldn't believe how someone could be forgiven for a lot of things I've done. 
because I've, you know, done a lot of bad things. Some things I don't like to speak of, and, you know, some things with certain people I'll, you know, indulge a lot of things, like Bob Short. Bob Short knows a lot, you know, and he never, he just smiled at me, never like, oh, oh my God, you know. So it's real love, and when you can get that, that's what it's about. It's about loving the sinner and hating the sin, you know, and as long as that's what we focus on and we're true to, God is always special to, to forgive others and use us as a tool. So I feel like he uses my life and my sins and how I was forgiven for other folks that don't see how they can be forgiven. So, yeah, that's awesome, right? Um, yeah, it's, I know. He's proud of himself under 15 minutes. Um, the band is going to come back up, and we are going to just take an opportunity to celebrate that Jesus saves us, and uh, we're going to take communion. Um, if you know Jesus, there's a table up here, table, two tables, one in the back, and um, we're just going to worship, and in these moments, this is when we make the choice to stop believing Satan's lies, um, to know our salvation, and to celebrate it as we sing, as we worship, and as we take communion, and we're reminded um, of the fact that Jesus died for us. It's gracious that he gave us these things to rem remember him by. And so we're going to do that. So let, let me pray, and then we'll worship together. God, thank you so much um, just for how you saved JR. Um, thank you that uh, he's still a work in progress just like me. And thank you that, uh, God, Jesus changes us. And I pray um, for every person in the room, as we remember Jesus right now, um, that in your presence you would change us. Um, God, that we would stop believing lies and somebody for the first time would make the choice to make you the Lord of their life, to turn away from their sin and, and, and allow you to save them and to desire to walk with you for the rest of their life. And um, Jesus, we're just so thankful. So we praise you now. We love you and we need you. In your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me again? Nothing but the We're all searching for answers that only you can provide. So I think after this, we're going to sing a reprise of that song. Because um, that's what's true. He is a good, good father. And if we come to him for salvation, I am his child. 
And so you may be here this morning and you need to make the choice to come to Jesus for the first time. To say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Forgive me. I want to be in heaven with you for eternity. And I want to live an abundant life. And I know only you can save me from my sins. And you may have been a Jesus follower for a long time, but this morning you need to make another choice to continue to follow Jesus and to stop looking for answers in other places. Because he is a good father. No matter how your earthly father failed you or how good he was, God is a perfect father. And so as we sing this next uh, part, as we sing that again, he's a good, good father. And I am his child. I'm going to be up front here. And if you want to come to Jesus for the first time, join me up front. I want to pray with you. And if you need uh, to make that choice, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but you need to make some choices and you need some prayer, I want to pray with you too. Uh, there's no shame in this because Jesus does away with all that shame. So let's do that together. Jesus, we love you. You are the way to our good, good Father.